Approaching our episode 200 spectacular. I'm your host, Mike Absicky Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, less spectacular than I was the week before. David McBurney, Fanboy Master. Be a little late. It happens. Yes, but we're here. I don't have anything clever to say. We really, we really don't have additional context for that. It's just, uh... I'm very uh, tired. Children not sleeping is not fun. <clears throat> yeah. I don't think they ever start sleeping. No, they do. Eventually, they don't know that I believe that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so how's it going? What have you been playing, Wheels? Uh, well, as anyone actually watching the stream can see, I've been making some progress. Uh, I actually looked yeah. at the chart for advanced classes, and I have Nerd. finally have another fourth party member. <laughs> it won't last. What do you mean? No, I'm joking. That one, I think, sticks with you. Uh, hey, Scar. What's up, Scar? Yes, I, I have, looking at random things, specifically one bug involving uh, a party member I currently have, which I'm apparently going to lose and have to go and regain. Uh, I know there's more shenanigans to come. The game does pulls a lot of party shenanigans for a game that heavily ties your characters to the uh, like your progression in each character is something that's essentially irreplaceable and also only gives you like six people. <laughs> but yeah, uh, looks like you've been playing a lot of this. I have. Uh, I have not made progress in Dragon Quest Eleven in a bit. Disgusted. I don't. Cowardice. I'm just kind of been too tired to focus much. Really you remember this what game, else? Which requires no focus. Yes, I don't really remember what else I've been playing. I've played some Minecraft Dungeons, but I played something else on the Switch. Oh, some Assassin's Creed. Uh, AC4. Three, four, five, four, three, man. I mean, it's on three. there. No. Well, as, as anyone who has Sports listened good. to this show for a while knows, <laughs> we have a complicated relationship with. Dragon Quest Three. That is not the thing that you meant to say. You're very tired. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ! Assassin's Creed Three. Uh, we have a very uh, jovial a relationship with Dragon Quest Three. <laughs> it's a pretty uncomplicated relationship with DQ Three, if I'm yes. being honest. But uh, AC, yeah, AC Three, uh, not so much. I was randomly watching. Uh, I like the Assassin's Creed trailers, where it's basically like a music video to some cool music. Yeah, they used to do those all the time. I don't know if they do those anymore. Uh, not as much, seemingly, but uh, while watching those, it randomly went into that cut epilogue from Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah. And that was really good, and it sucked that they got rid of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I came across it a few more times while doing that, and, it was, and I had to like double check is this the thing they cut? Why? Why? <laughs> it, yeah, a lot of questions. Not a lot of good answers. I mean, listen, the, the game is but that kind of would just make the way the game ends hit a lot better i think it, yeah it, it just just like and it's like just two minutes of dialogue 
But it's a summation of the arcs and themes of the game. Yeah. And cutting it makes the game feel incomplete. Weird how that works. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you've been playing four, not three, right? Yes, I've been playing four because, um, again, as we've discussed, I fell off the series hard after three and have had trouble getting going back to four. Having fun. It's fun. You're on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're kind of like a weird asshole for most of the game, but you know that's how you do. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, also, but, uh, I really need to it. get. I need to set aside time to go back to that one. I played the first couple hours and was like, "This seems neat," and then I was like, "Oh, I have other things I need to finish first before I dig into this." Yeah, I was the same thing way too, and it's like this seems neat. I have other things to dig into, but Vikings. Yeah. Uh, you really, really, what made me actually go and play it because I hadn't planned on playing it for a while was um, I just happened to see DLC was and saw the word Ireland. Just, just wheels playing that game while wearing a Kiss Me I'm Irish shirt. Yes, <laughs> my family is very Irish, so uh, yeah. This to say, I... and my last name is McBurney. Um... <laughs> Uh, I'm slightly mad. It's not an Irish Assassin's Creed. Uh, do we do we want to go back to like let's not go back to when they last for like let's get clever with Irish names. <laughs> Assassin's it, Creed set during the, the Irish Revolution. There's a lot of things that would be cool that they'll never do. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. They have they have these three little side-scrolling games that if they had use those settings to the full extent would be awesome that being china india and russia and i say russia despite the fact that they've done you know they've done too many western settings just just kind of the kind of the fact that you know russia is kind of like ever present and i know that much about russian history <laughs> so it could be pretty I feel like they don't know about Russian history that goes before like the 1700s yeah I, I'm, I'm trying I'm probably not saying this very well but like Russia is like this ever-present bad guy or not bad guy in our history or like 1920 don't worry it was still depressing then too yeah I'm sure uh, but anyway um, what have you been playing uh, I've been mopping up sub stories and Yakuza like a dragon I gotta eventually fight a mom so Every one of those has an amount. I was thinking a lot about the because I was I was messing around with the job system and thinking a lot about how it's like it's very much built in like the old school Dragon Quest mold of job system where it's like don't change jobs unless you like not so much don't change jobs because like the game is easy enough that it's not going to punish you that hard but like. There's not call to change jobs unless you need your character to do something other than what they're doing. Right. <laughs> like, you get, like, one of the characters I had as an idol, and that meant that she was very good at, like, party buffs and party healing. And I changed her to one of the other classes because I just sort of wanted to see how it functioned. And it's like, this new class is cool, but also. <clears throat> This new class uh, does very different things and inherits very little from the old class. So it's one of those things that's like, I love it, but be careful about uh, setting your expectations about what the job system in the game functions like. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I had largely ignored Dragon Cart. 
which is a bafflingly fully featured uh, kart racing minigame. Uh, it has, like, about 12 tracks, I think, and upgradable carts, and it's really, really bizarre to put this much work into this strange and ancillary feature. I can only assume it has to come back in future games just to justify having made it in the first place. <laughs> but it's weird. It's very weird. Um, like, more in-depth than, say, uh, Pocket Circuit Racing in... Uh, I'm not necessarily... Probably a little more... I don't want to, like, knock Pocket Circuit Racing because that's one of the big side quests in Zero and Kiwami. But it is at the same time, like, there's certainly, like, a lot of... It's less stat-focused, but, I mean, it's got a lot... It's a very fully featured minigame. It's very strange. But, yeah, I've uh, been enjoying that. Uh, messing around with some of the... Uh, classes that I hadn't used. That sort of thing. Good game. Uh, still really, really fond of it. Uh, I'll fight Amon eventually. But, uh, oh, and Cyber Shadow. I've been playing Cyber Shadow, which is nice. not an RPG, but it's cool. Yeah, it's, I need to, uh, need to do. For the, oh, yeah, speaking of things on Game Pass, uh, the Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 Remastered Collection is now available on Xbox and PC Game Pass. Excellent. Uh, those are bad games to start with. Just going to put that out there. Um, <laughs> but if you've played, say, Kiwami 1 and 2 and are like, oh, let's keep going. Well, those are the versions to play. Uh, they're a weird thing to see on Game Pass because, in part because like you would have to go wild with them in order to actually try to finish all three before... <laughs> there before they start disappearing from Game Pass, but I don't know. It depends on how long they end up staying there, I guess. Yeah, Yakuza Five is too big of a video game. <laughs> yeah, some some games seem to stay on there, like yeah. uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen, which is just left or yeah. But yeah, uh, you know those those come recommended. Those are the collective best version. They're apparently on both console and PC Game Pass, so you know. Uh, plus they're, you know, now just available on Xbox and PC. Put yeah. them on Switch. Um, yes. But, like, those ones would not even be that big, tall of a demand. They're PS3 games. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I've been playing Cyber Shadow as well, which... Uh, how to put... Uh, it definitely... Like, it wasn't made by Yacht Club, but you'd probably be able to tell they'd published it. Uh, just by playing it, even if you didn't see their logo, it's definitely <laughs> got some things that feel yacht clubby about it, and that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not super far in it because it's actually quite hard, but also it gives you infinite lives. So I mean, well, that's good. And it checkpoints very frequently, so I can't like complain that it's not fair. It's just oh, it's hard and I'm bad. Uh, that's uh, that's what I've been playing. That's oh, yeah. Oh, so normal. What, what? You mean normal? Uh huh. Yeah. Normal. So that's that's your Yakuza minute. Uh, I don't consider Yakuza games to be truly complete until I fought them on. There's 
Like every time I look at it, there's just more uh, like a dragon than I care to like than I can even fully establish and describe. Like I don't think you have to uh, to max out part-time hero to get anything in particular, but if you want to, that's gonna take forever. There's uh, a lot. There's a lot of them that are just like find this person and help them, but then there's a lot of them that are uh, much like they're they're like overall completion goals, and they they can require some very specific things. And then of course there's just stuff that I'm really bad at, like find all these cats. <laughs> We're all here, the cat, and then just not be able to find it. <laughs> Hey, that's, uh... That's Yakuza. And I just found, like, thing that's supposed to help you grind that I didn't realize was there, and it seems to be a joke on Star of the Giants, huh. which is an old, uh, very influential shonen manga about baseball. It's true, it's not. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's... For, for those, I, I've rambled about Star of the Giants in the past, but I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, protagonist famously uh, is forced to train in, like, this weird spring suit. Uh, and that is one of the items you can get for doing well enough in the batting center, I believe. You have to uh, play a bunch of the batting minigame to get this, like, training gear that increases the amount of EXP that you get per fight <laughs> gotta do it close to loose well at least that beats the alternative probably my strength what kind of name is scraw I mean the kind where you're yelling a lot I guess I don't know that's the last scraw well you're banned <laughs> um, let's see. we don't want to go too deep into questions until Gaijin's here but... uh, we can do this one from Kroll from you mean the episode before from, last? From last, last episode. Yeah, yeah. I have an easy answer for this one. Okay, let me pull this up. I got it. What are some of the most notable magics? Which are your favorites, obviously, but which stand out in other ways for originality, obtuseness, being broken beyond all reason? Oh, boy. Unlimited uh, saga. Oh, that one's just really complicated. <laughs> How many how many tutorial videos did we have to watch on that? Was it like two or three? Yeah, but all of them were like 30 minutes long. Like, oh, you have to get this magic stone, and then you have to do these specific things for it to activate. And then eventually you get a spell that is actually not as powerful as normal weapons. Oops. <laughs> but it has uses, kind of? Maybe, a little. But... Ugh, that game... Yeah, uh, let's talk about ones that don't make us hurt. Yes. Um, uh, in I... the category... Oh, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. I was going to say, in the category of, like, did you balance this even a little bit? Uh, I immediately thought of Dragon Age 1, where mm. magic is just the best in the game. Yeah. At all things. Even if you want to make a, like dude who hits things your best option is to make a mage and then subclass them into arcane warrior <laughs> and that's still super suboptimal but you're still way better off 
Yeah. That game's class balance is terrible. Um, yeah, that game has some issues. Yeah, for Many example, issues. it's too long. Yes. Uh, it's too long, the PC version. Wow. I guess. Yeah, you kind of just did. But but that's, that's a whole different thing. That's that's an entire another podcast. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that one's one that falls into the, like, oh, this is just, why is this here? Why, this is broken. Um... One that I kind of like for being a little off the beaten path. I've, I've talked about this one before, but the FF15 magic system where magic is just grenades. <laughs> and it's this weird thing where, like, it was an acknowledgement by the developers that the bat- combat system they had concocted did not have a need for dedicated mages. And so magic needed to be different and serve different purposes than it might in other games. So you basically had like these this weird customizable grenade system. <laughs> oh, hey, you won. Uh it was it was not uh it was not perfect, but it was a very interesting system to uh, to say the least. And it was a decent acknowledgement of the combat system they had created and how it uh didn't need the same kind of it didn't have the same kind of class balance needs that other RPGs would have. Got any more? Yes, uh, Dark Souls 1 and 2. Not... Still so mad about Vantane casting. <laughs> uh, I really, for action RPGs, like a system usage. Because I find if you have like a specific idea of how many how many charges of a spell you can cast in the midst of like action-y combat, or it's just simply spells and things like a cooldown. It makes the act that is definitely the case for Dark Souls, in my opinion. So you're coming out in favor of the command deck from Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep as well. Yes, I am, actually. That's a good version. That is a good one, though. Yeah. I, I was scared of it initially because it sounded like cards, but it turns yeah. out it's not cards. But uh, things like uh, Tales of Hearts original. Yeah, remember that? That was a good time. I missed yeah. that uh, combat system. They they've just thrown that in the trash. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, someone hosted the stream. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, Dark Souls 3's magic system is an interesting experiment. I'm not sure that it uh, works, but it also doesn't affect me because I don't play it, uh, mage characters. It's still better than Demon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean that the problem with that kind of system, if you play like some of the earlier Tales games, for your the... character has to like kind of class into melee to begin with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things are going good. Thanks, Ninja Frog. <coughs> um, yeah, I remember that a lot of the early you kind of have to present the boss in the dungeon, but then that kind of makes combat. Uh, they uh, they eventually just fixed it, so it's like okay, normal attacks fill your. Yeah, TP and uh, Tails. Yeah, rest- restores it in a completely different system. But they eventually fixed But yeah, for, for action RPGs, any sort of magic system, I feel like you can't you can't just tran- transpose the exact same thing. You, it does not flow. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, did I have any other? We've hit ones where they're useless. We've hit ones. 
Uh, I uh, really like the magic system. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Much like everything in that game. Uh, yes. The, the ATV system is kind of interesting, and le- like it produces another layer of things you need to concern yourself with before you decide whether to cast or use items. I guess as an interesting one, one of the things that I always thought was kind of interesting with Kingdom Hearts following 2 was the setup they had where magic regenerates when you run yourself out of it. Mm. And you can affect how quickly it regenerates, but like it, it does encourage you to and it does encourage you to use it like, if you're going to use some of it, you need to just keep using it. And also the way that they uh, set up healing, that heal, that cure would always fully restore your health, but, uh, it, and, but it didn't have a set MP cost. It cost however much you had left. Right. Which is an interesting decision, because it also, like, incentivized the idea of, if you're going to need to heal anyway, and in most combat you are, you might as well use a bunch of magic, and then cast Cure when you're almost out. Right. Uh, it was a different way of dealing with the same problem, but a solid one. Oh, congratulations on restoring a bunch of people's souls. Yes. Like. It's a dead man's party. <laughs> I was going to say, good another, another good one, which the, this game doesn't, doesn't specifically have, like, a magic system, per se. You get, like, different artifacts, but some of the skills use a... Uh, I'd call it a magic-ish meter called, like, a soul meter, which fills up as you kill enemies. Mm -hmm. But the upside to that is the artifacts that you use that are extremely powerful. So um, if you are going to use them, it's a matter of, you know, when do you unleash those big attacks, extra artifacts that help fill up that soul meter, equip armor or weapons that help fill up that soul meter more, and you can kind of build yourself in that direction. It's different. (laughs) something that's decent since I keep, keep bringing up action RP. <laughs> uh, I feel like those are the ones that usually have to do something weird with magic. Yeah. Uh, I'll bring up Grandia's that I think is pretty cool. Uh, just by virtue of like... Uh, all of them uh, decide to cut the knot by just having... Everyone is at least okay at magic and at least okay at uh, hitting things, but they're in like different proportions. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, your protagonist will always be good at both, and then you'll run into like uh, some characters who are like, oh, they can hit, but like their magic is their strongest suit, or they can cast magic, but their uh, their punching is way better. And it's just like, it, it's one of those things. Like, it's rare in a Grandia game for a character to be actively deficient at uh, magic or physical attacks. So, that was that's just an interesting way of like just dealing with that, especially in Grandia 1 where uh, everyone has to have a full complement of spells, but there's only so many spells that exist, so most of them like, characters will share about 80% of their spell list, and then, like, at the highest level, they'll have different ones. Nice. Uh, especially, like, the the female lead in Grandia 1 has uh, gets access to some super special spells that, especially if you're playing the PS1 version, you'll probably never get, because there's a bug in the PS1 version Whoops. that they fixed in the HD version. Uh, she had 
a spell that required supposed to require like level 30 in like I want to say like fire and wind magic but there's a bug in the PS1 version that causes it to require level 99 in both of those <laughs> and that's not happening no matter how much you try <laughs> yeah I might be misremembering the exact uh, like magic types it needs but it is one of those things like you need everything <laughs> like it, it just like that bug causes it to rocket pat way out into unreasonable that's a that's a turn-based one with good stuff final fantasy tactics oh yeah that magic is either really good or terrible <laughs> yes i like how they force you to you can either lock it into a specific area or on a specific Depending on which one of those you choose, things can go very bad or very good. Or some combination of the two. <laughs> or you just play a calculator and the game is basically over. True. Uh, but because there's, like, friendly fire that things up, you chance their turn can blow away. Uh... Yeah. Isn't that great? It's, it's not great, but I like that there. it's kind of a risk since magic is pretty powerful. It's different. <sighs> yeah, yeah, uh, Tactic Ogre. And then Tactic Ogre came back, and its system was weirder still. <laughs> Too many turn-based ones other than that, and it's mostly kind of what you'd expect. Except for some yeah. cyber games, but... Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, you'll occasionally find ones where it's like, this isn't supposed to be bad, but it is. Yeah. Uh, like, just, like, a spell, like, I mean... Final Fantasy 1 is kind of a prime example of, like, oh, yeah. most of the spells in that do something useless or don't work at all. <laughs> like, you know, it's not exactly uh, difficult to work out that things like a uh, spell that increases attack power that can only target the caster is kind of bad in most <laughs> situations. In a game where, like, the the mage making an attack for most of the game is basically a do-nothing button. Like, yeah, and that's that's hardly even the most egregious thing. Like, there's just a bunch of stats, uh, status effect spells that, like... We're used to status effect spells, like, being useless to cast because, like, nothing they affect would be worth casting them on. But... FF1 has tons of status effect spells that just don't do anything, even if you, like, even on things that they should affect. Like, the spell that casts silence doesn't actually uh, do anything. Same with blind, I believe. Oh, there's that. Oh, there's the eternal classic. Uh, I believe the spell that cures silence in. Uh, FF1, it either only targets the self or it's just nonsensical to have multiple things that can cast it, in which case there's no <laughs> way for it to ever be useful. Because, I mean, you also only have four party slots and it's like, uh, I could, why would I have multiple white mages? FF1's got a lot to answer. And then there's FF2. Oh, it's a thing. That uh, that one's weird just because you have to level up every spell individually. Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. 
and Ultima feeds off of the combined level of all of them, but it's deliberately set to be terrible. So, yeah, that needed. Uh, well, they stopped doing that, so we're that was that was maybe a little. I don't remember how that works. Bring up the pick, ugh, pick a specific elemental, and then you can pick. Oh yeah, you have schools. You have to love. I don't. People love the ring menu. I'll never understand. It was, it was kind of neat. It's Dead Man's Party. Oh, hey, someone's here. Yeah. Who could ask for more? Hey. Hello. Hello. We there. have been trying to avoid talking too much with, uh, about questions that you might have things to say about. Oh, cool. Which questions have you done? We've just done the one that was uh, left on episode 193. Oh, okay. Cool. From Crawl? Yeah, the most notable at Magic Systems and RPGs. We still aren't technically done with it, so if you've got one to throw in, now's your chance. Oh, oh let's see. Um, did we do Rudrin, Did we do Treasure of the Rudras? Oh, God, no. Uh, I, I know of that one, but I haven't played it, so I couldn't speak it properly. Yeah. On it. I vaguely remember a time about 20 years ago when I sparked a 20 to 30 page discussion thread on GameFAQs because I'd gotten a weird effect from a spelling in that game. And I was trying to figure out <laughs> what, what happened. Uh, I'm still not quite sure what happened, but apparently adding the the uh, katakana mu in the middle of a spell does some weird stuff. Um, but yeah, that that was the one where it was like the magic system was speak and spell. Yeah. Literally oh. spell. And there's a good reason why it never got released in English. <laughs> that oh, would have okay. been... Even if it had made like sense financially, that would have been a Herculean effort. <laughs> yeah. That... I. I think Kawazu was in on that one. It's it seems like it's, something. It, it reeks of his kind of thing. <laughs> Very much so. Um, let's see what else. What was another good magic system? Um, oh come on, um, um, Saga Frontier Two. Oh yeah, yeah. The one where you had to either have an item with the proper element equipped, or you could just draw it from the environment if the environment was cooperating. Oh, speaking also, of the drawing, entire plot was about magic. Speaking yes. of drawing, and, oh, and no. one character who couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he invents iron weapons and starts killing wizards. Yep. Yes, the the uh, let's see, was there artist or not? Weird. Okay, and that gave the different information. Uh, Wikipedia gives Kawazu as a supervisor on Rutra no Hiho. Uh, yeah, this other thing I found just said, says designer Kawazu. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, other interesting weird magic systems. Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Is that interesting? That Are we saying that's interesting? No. It was interesting in how you accessed the magic, but not much else. I mean, like, that was... Like, like, that one's one that I can't look at as anything other than the way you accessed this was just a bad idea. There are many different ways they could have done it better. Yeah. I, again, I've been thinking about this off and on the past year. I cannot help but think that a lot of confusion about that game would have been fixed if they had just used the word equip instead of junction. Mm-hmm. But it also would have laid bare the fact that you should have been able to buy these things. Junction, yeah. Junction. Now, what's your dysfunction? 
Oh, buddy, we, we don't got enough time for that. Um, uh, magic, magic, magic. Some weird. What's something weird? It's hard to tell what's weird at times with this these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've just been pulling up anything that sticks out for either being essentially straight up non-functional, having like some interesting ideas behind it, or just you know being busted and like overpowered. We've pulled up most mostly things that probably would not be in your wheelhouse. We brought up uh, FF15, Dragon Age, uh, some of the Tales of games. Oh, there was one. It was game adaptation of a novel series. I remember reading part of the novels once. Let's see if I can find it on the archived page. Um, but because um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the actual title of the book series was, but it was. Um, hmm. But the book series, it was a runic based magic. But what the runes did was they it was like um, the runes would essentially. Um, um, reinforce one of your like D and D style stats, one of the six basic stats, at the expense of somebody else who was donating to you. Hmm. So, like, um, if um, if you had a if you in this in the actual story, if you took a rune that made you faster, then the person on the other end of the rune would be literally living semi comatose in slow motion. Hmm. Let's see. I'm pretty sure it was adapted for PC, so let's see what we here. Uh, right. Windows, Windows. Oh, come on, where you go? That's a long list to look through here. Um, oh, yeah, I do not remember what this is. Uh, but yeah, I remember thinking when I was reading it, like, this is the most... This is like one of the most disturbing magic systems I have ever seen. I mean, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't remember what the actual title of the book is, however. Um, there's a whole lot of games on the, under Windows here that I've never heard of. And quite a few that I added, personally. <laughs> okay. But yeah, or... Um, like most of the nobility in that book series had um, runes of charisma added on, mm-hmm. quite often as a literal um, like criminal punishment to somebody who got turned into an ugly hag for the rest of their life Harsh. because of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do not remember what the title of this series was. I'm sure somebody in, in the audience will probably know it at some point. Ooh, I'm getting some flashbacks here uh, <laughs> from some of these titles. Uh, you know, you know what? Let's let's go with the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, the Rune Lords. That was it. That was the name of the series. The Rune Lords. Hmm. Uh, you can understand why you might have difficulty remembering that. <laughs> yeah, it's so generic. Um, but yeah, that was. I mean, yeah. I'm not quite sure if the video game ever actually happened. To be honest. So let's use our old sites. Incredibly broken. Find the first one. Oh, it was a Game Boy game. That cannot be right. <laughs> okay, but yeah, okay, that goes under uh, one of the weirdest. 
ones I've ever seen apparently attempted to put into a video game. Apparently there was a board game. Um, there was a board game based on this. Okay. Weird. Seems to have uh, done well for itself, I guess. Okay, yeah, so uh, I'm not quite sure if this is the same. Oh, Game Boy Color. There we go. It was a cancelled RPG, Game Boy Color. Hmm. Would have been published by Kimco for Game Boy Color. Hmm. Can I, okay. can I fight Mithri? Um, I think Mithri might win. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so that's enough of that. Uh, I'm sure there are even weirder systems out there, but my brain is having trouble coming up with any weird ones that are not more specifically monster collectors. Yeah, if we think of any more, we can bring it back up. Yeah. Uh, you want to do a brief uh, rundown of what you've been playing, or should we just move on to more questions? No, I've just had two games on the Switch, and I think we both we all know which two they were. The uh, first sure. one is, of course, Ryza 2, which is trucking along. I just need to figure out how to progress the story past this current point. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm not always the best at paying close attention to the little details in the dialogue when I should be. <laughs> and the game's uh, note-taking feature is not always the most accurate. Oops. Yeah, it happens. And the other oh, game is the right demo up. for Disgaea 6. Ah. <laughs> Which, Wheels, did you download that one? I did. Have you tried it? I have. And? Have you uh, any feelings on it? I'm not impl- impressed, really. Neither was I, no. I mean, impressed by the fact that in the tutorial demo, uh, tutorial start battle, the main character had seven digits in all stats. Have you considered numbers and how they go high? Yeah. I mean, Disgaea has been known to go that high, but usually it doesn't go that high at the start of the game. Yeah, usually it's like a reward for doing things, but they seem to have just gone like, what if we just made the entire game out of cake? Pretty much. Uh, not sure how that's going to play out in the long run. Yeah. But um, did you understand any of the story wheels? No. No. Okay, so the basic idea here is that you have the god of destruction who goes around randomly just detonating um, demon worlds. I remember Dragon Ball. Yeah, and he's been doing this for who knows how long. And uh, the opening sequence is the main character just deciding to visit the this one... Like he's like trying to break into a castle, like a demon lord's castle, and he's going. I mean, the, their tutor, their initial tutorial battle is against a squad of like eight characters at level nine hundred ninety nine. And if you just hit the the plus button and put the entire thing on automatic, he will win. Ugh. I'd imagine like, he's like well into the thousands, if I were to ask. I guess his level is canonically. Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay, so level stupid, basically. Yeah, so I mean, I, I was I checked out the enemies first, and was like, okay, there's a whole lot of, okay, why is that kanji in there for the number? Oh, oh no. crap. <laughs> then I looked back at him, I'm like, oh, wait a moment, his stats are all literally two orders of magnitude higher. <laughs> Listen, we don't normally use kanji for numbers like this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like instead of putting like tw- um, like five or ten or fifteen for a stat number, you put twenty k. Except in his case, it would be seven hundred fifty k. 
For for attack. You know, just uh, just just normal numbers. Yeah. So I mean, that's the tutorial battle, and which technically takes place at the end of the story, because he when he goes in and he breaks into whatever he's trying to break into, and he confronts the local demon lord. The demon lord is more preoccupied by the fact that the god of destruction has disappeared. That's and the then the main character is like, oh, yeah, I killed him. Okay, I can see why that would be concerning for the other demon lord involved. Yep. And so the uh, the chapters of the game are basically him retelling the steps it took to get to that point. I guess they wanted to give you a taste of where you'd be at the end. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. That could be cute, but I don't know if I trust the other things I'm hearing. <laughs> well, I mean, it would maybe be better if the actual chapters had more story to them. But it's, um, I mean, the first chapter is basically one long extended tutorial. I say long extended, it's four battles long. I mean, that's long for a tutorial. Yeah, and uh, you can, I have yet to find, I mean, I'm only... I've stopped playing halfway through the second chapter, but I have yet to find a battle that could not really be won on automatic yet. Yeah. I mean, that's not that out there for this guy. It usually takes a while before there's anything that can actually... Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I have been suffering casualties on automatic pilot, Mm -hmm. but, um, but since there's no real penalties and there's actually a like a reward benefit for taking huge amounts of damage and using a lot of SP and dying. Um, you get like reimbursed at, at headquarters for it. Um, hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So did, so you far, just, it, did you purchase this game or is it just a really long demo? It's just a really long demo. Huh. It's not, it's not on sale in Japan yet. Oh yeah. How odd. <laughs> yep. So, Oh, but yeah, um, like on um, each character that you have in your group has a list of personal achievements that you can redeem for bonus karma during for reincarnation stuff. Mm-hmm. And the very first item on the list is has reached level ninety nine. That doesn't take long. So far, um, the two the two new characters who have joined me without being character without character creation, just the ones who joined me from story. Yeah, have yeah. both started high enough to get that achievement immediately. <sighs> and plus, it's uh, it's not achieved level 99. It has gained 99 levels, which means that if you abuse the reincarnation system like you're supposed to, then it doesn't. Um, you can still reach the milestones without actually reaching the levels. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Maintaining prior statement that they responded to people liking numbers go up by making the entire game, like, to the point where numbers are meaningless, i.e. they made the entire game out of cake. Yeah. And um, I don't know if they reveal any more of the main character's motivations before the end of the demo, but it has so far been revealed that he's been at this for a very long time, and he at one point had a sister who is probably not around anymore. We can that try does to guess seem why. like a hero, a hero motivation. Yeah, but he's been at it so long that his personality has become permanently deranged, and um, and he is a zombie. Normal. Yes, uh, with the very unimaginative name of Zed. Oh, don't say the Zed word. Yeah, exactly. Um, and somehow, 
I say we're not even, I'm not even sure how this has happened, but he does he is in command of his own like fourth dimensional Makai demon world, which is the base of operations. They're hopping to different planets and times that have been attacked by um, the god of destruction. And he is operating on the concept of that which does not kill me makes me stronger. Oh, wait a moment. I'm already dead. I can't really die. I'm just going to keep going. So nothing else can kill me. So I'm getting stronger infinite amounts of time. Yeah. That, um, I'm pretty sure that's a drill tweet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's bas- he basically somehow unknown how at this point, but he has come into possession, possession of an, basically an infinite reincarnation system. And he's abusing the heck out of it. And this sure. has had apparently detrimental effects to his personality because according to the one character who's been with him the longest, he used to be a really nice guy. And now Laharl might find some issues with him. Hmm. Of course. Which is about how crazy he's gotten. Yeah, no, I've just, I just found the drill tweet I was referring to and it sounds like it just kind of describes the game. Yeah. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. It gains infinite strength from being not killed by infinite things. <laughs> so who is this on Twitter that you're... It's, it's Drill. It's, uh, it's the, the preeminent Twitter shitposting account. Uh, except, I get, again, in Zed's case, he actually does get killed quite often. I think at the end of every chapter, it looks like. He he's just not being back. killed. He's just... It doesn't count if you just come back immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Talk to Marvel Comics. Especially Marvel Comics of the 90s. We'll kill them. They'll, people will think that's great. Oh, they're, oh they, they, they cottoned on to the trick. They know they're coming back immediately. Yes. So, unless, it's, unless it's Peter Parker's uncle. Yeah, and even then, go, just go to the right alternate universe. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like really old comic book characters that don't come back just because the people who cared about bringing them back are dead now. Even then, they've been known to just recycle characters in for giggles. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jake Garrick's come back a few times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, um, I mean, honestly, I am not far enough into the demo to say whether or not it gets better, but it is not really impressing at the moment. Mm. And the uh, just, I mean, I, I made. I'm not quite sure how many chapters into Disgaea One I actually made it. I just remember going on a picnic with the space with the uh, uh, with Captain Gordon and Company at one point. So Defender of Earth. Yes. So uh, I mean, Disgaea had a certain charm and zaniness to the plot from the beginning that made it pretty fun to try and go through. But Disgaea Six does not seem to have that yet. I mean, we're like 18 years into this gimmick, so. And it's like, you know, it's, it's always been reliant on kind of the same set of tropes, which I can understand probably makes writing them get harder and harder as they go on. But like at this point, it's just like, this is tired. And I don't know. I, I understand on some level why they keep doing it, but they they need need to, to... I think they need to bring in a better a new writer or something. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many things they could still do with the basic setting concept. It's just they, I'm not sure what they're doing with it. Like they're super just they they've just leaned into all of the like the this guy one is doing like the the evil overlord list, mm-hmm. but you know it's like 
that that was kind of fresh. And there's like there is an underlying concept here that it was that was at least kind of fresh at the time as far as games were concerned. To like, yeah, dude wants to be evil as hell. He kind of isn't, and that they they kind of have ridden that kind of protagonist into the ground at this stage. Like, not always uh, evil as hell, but there always wants to be something very specific, kind of isn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, like, which one was it with the character who decided that he was going to be the hero? That was three. He was going to be three. the hero, so he stole the title of hero and it started making him a hero. Yeah. In a in a world or a system that where everyone hates the official hero. Yeah. And which one was it where he the main character was really just retired and he just wanted to take care of his uh, prinnies and feed them sardines. That sounds like four. Sounds like four. And I think five was involved like a resistance movement against a different or a major overlord. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, there are ways to make a new story that fits into the, the style and is fresh and interesting. It's just they don't have anyone capable of writing it, apparently. Yeah, they don't seem to be hitting on the on those well, ideas, and it's causing them to like lean into some uh, things that make them even less that make them less appealing. Yeah. Oh well. Hopefully, they solve it before they go insolvent. Um, yeah, or just come up with a better uh, or another new IP. Yeah, but they're really tim- they're they're going to be really like gun shy about that for at least a few years given how much they've brushed up with bankruptcy true okay 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 so let's see shall we actually get to the Q&A list or do we have anything sure, else sure. to draw from first let's do the Q&A list okay number 12 which metroidvania has the most number of RPG elements I feel like side-scrolling action-adventure games are light on RPG by design. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, feel like Castlevania always... is kind of the peak on this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, largely because there's no getting around the fact that they are largely skill-based, still on your ability to hit and r- run and jump. Yeah, I guess the one I would say has the most RPG in it would probably be. Like Dawn of Sorrow, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow, because like yeah. that one has. Was like, that Pokevania? Uh, not precisely. Like that's the one where you get soul. One of the ones where you get souls off of enemies, and those give you new abilities. Mm-hmm. But I was gonna say Bloodstained was pretty good on that too. Yeah, like Bloodstained is very much using the sorrow mold of things. Yeah. Uh, but like Dawn of Sorrow also introduced like weapon crafting into that franchise as well as like uh you got uh this is the thing that uh bloodstained stole bloodstained might actually take the cake at this point but uh the idea that getting more of a soul made that soul stronger yeah and bloodstained took that with the shard system and even like took that even another step further by adding the idea that uh, if you got a passive shard high enough level, you could make it so you didn't even have to equip it. Yes, I remember that too. That was very nice. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, 
most of the other Metroidvanias I've played have been relatively lighter on RPG elements. Yeah, I mean, it's probably fair to start with the premise, to start by pointing out the premise that when Symphony of the Night happened, uh, I think Ego has mentioned in interviews, he had never played a Metroid game at that point. He was His inspiration was essentially Zelda, but sideways. Which makes sense. Yeah, and like if you get a bit of uh, a bit of Zelda Two DNA in there, uh, and a bit of Link to the Past DNA, mm -hmm. and you turn it all, you make it all sideways, you can kind of see how you would produce uh, a uh, a <laughs> one of the forefathers of Metroidvania games without actually making a, without actually having played a Metroid game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that. That's that's about as much as there's space for in a Metroidvania. Because like, if you make let's say you tie uh, a major ability to level up, well now you've just created grinding choke points. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. Yeah, I'm just I'm oh which which one did I review for the Game Boy Advance last year? Oh. It was the cheap. it was the one that was it was the cheapest of the three Game Boy Advance ones in Japan. It was only five thousand yen. I'm just gonna guess Circle of the Moon. That was that it, was... Circle of the Moon. But oh. That's the one where I noted that yeah the uh, the systems that should have been in place to help the player get through some of the harder parts were not working. Yeah, no, they that that one was very impressive at the time, but it's very hard to recommend now. Yeah, that one uh, also, like, just the entire, like, card system doesn't work in that game, because it's like, oh, the whole fun is mixing and matching cards. How do you get cards? Well, enemies have about a 1% chance of dropping them, and only a couple enemies in the entire game ever drop any. So there's a decent chance you'll go through the entire game and never get essentially more than three cards. I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, I mean, it... A lot of the the basic cards are they definitely have a they, higher they, drop rate than that. Either that or the enemies are pretty common. It's well, the it's two that they are, give away a handful. Yeah, it's the two cards that are specifically tied to unique enemies that disguise themselves as candles in an, um, and that they spawn in old uh, boss rooms. Yeah, that was and dumb. You have, and you have to hit them and kill them in one blow because if they hit the ground, then they melt away and they disappear. Yeah, that was yeah. dumb. That was, that was real dumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that, was, that was a game that I felt no shame about uh, exploiting a bug uh, to not have to grind for cards. Yeah. On the plus side, if you beat the game regularly, then you can unlock the magician mode and get all the cards to begin with. Yeah, there's actually a bunch of modes in that. Eventually there's like thief mode and shooter mode. They're weird. Oh, yeah. I mean, th that's the good part. Yeah, it's, it's just getting to that part, and uh, and the fact that like not seventy five percent of the game's plot happens in the first five minutes. Yeah. Also, don't play that game uh, in two thousand one on an original GBA screen where it's a completely invisible video game. <laughs> it's not that much better on a on a Game Boy SP. I can tell you that. It's not that much better, but boy howdy, it's still like that is a dark game on that dark screen. Yeah. Uh, what's the other thing I was going to say about Circle of the Moon? I'm sure I had a third yeah. thought here, but I think it's gone. Uh, 
I mean, so for I mean, if we're going outside of strictly Metroidvania and going with side-scrolling RPGs, Maple Story. Yeah, yeah. The the DS game was really good. And the 3DS game was less good. <laughs> the 3DS game was an interesting example of a technically superior but not as fulfilling experience, just because it was about one third of the game that the DS game was, just by content. Uh, that's development budgets for you. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, the first game literally had four protagonists with four intersecting plot lines, or two two major intersecting plot lines, mm-hmm. and multiple villains. Um, and the 3DS game had one plot line, and it was a good plot line, and it was actually longer than any individual plot line for the DS game. It was just the DS game had four of them. <laughs> so. Just the uh, the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that uh, there's fundamental problems with fusing in any more uh, of the RPG into Metroidvania designs without producing something that is actively less fun. So you end up uh, like you can find more side-scrolling RPG, more RPG Metroidvanias that are fun. Yeah, I mean, last November on a, on Friday the 13th, I actually brainstormed an idea just for the hell of it because I've been playing Batbarian so much. <laughs> it's still stuck on my Twitter somewhere down there, so. Worth looking, worth following. <laughs> yeah, I think that's our, our Metroidvania discussion that we've got on us. Yeah. Okay, what else have we gotten down here? Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, number thirteen is a Skyrim one. I do have absolutely nothing I've to, got say about things to say about that. So Wheels you know, I'll leave that for you guys later. Okay. <laughs> because I can I can talk about number fourteen. Okay. Number fourteen. Which game uses silence for a narrative or atmospheric purpose the best? Huh. And the lack of an emotionally manipulative element is that emotionally manipulative on its own. And I have one very specific game in mind for this, but what do you guys think first? Uh, I can think of things that aren't RPGs that have used silence in interesting ways, even if the games resultant games were not actually good. Uh, I was thinking specifically of a game released not that long ago called The Quiet Man. Mm-hmm. It's very bad, but does have the mildly interesting conceit that your player character is deaf. And therefore, the entire game is uh, essentially silent. Well, okay, that reminds me of a different one. Um, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, which is the beat rhythm roguelike. And uh, deafness is actually a major status element in that game. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But the game I was thinking of, I've talked about this one before in the podcast, but Otoda Master for DS. Oh, yeah, I remember that. The one, the one that's basically a Pokemon clone where you use the DS microphone to catch sounds and convert them into monsters for you. And we're talking about application of silence. So, I mean, this is a game that functions ve- or leans very hard on its, uh, on its soundtrack, background music, up until you, the final level. Because for the final level, the, um, see, the god of silence, Sheen, has been awakened and his castle on top of the mountain has appeared and you go to the mountain and anytime you visit this place before that there's this nice 
like kind of breezy background music. But as soon as you go in there now, it is dead silent except for the sound effects on your menu buttons. Hmm. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, since this is a game so heavily reliant on sound, I was definitely playing it with the speakers on and it was a definite, um, like, oh, whoa, this is a serious moment. But it keeps getting better because the farther you get into that level, the more the sound effects fade away. Oh, that's interesting. Until you get into the castle itself and there is no sound at all. The main character cannot summon his monsters because the sound machines are going on, but they're not registering anything. So it is a literally oppressive silence in that level. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and after he gets beaten up and thrown out at that point, his very, I mean, since this is still a very much a shonen type storyline we're talking about, all of his friends that he's made, including several former villains over the course of the game, come together and they proceed to have a massive jam session right in front of the castle mm-hmm. and uh, forcibly break the silence. And they end up becoming the background music for the rest of the game. <laughs> So, yeah. So, um, yeah, when, I, when I'm doing game reviews, music is usually the last thing that gets mentioned because I don't always, I don't even always play with the music on or the sound on. Yeah, it's not always um, convenient. Yeah. Um, I mean, often at most, I'll, I might mention one or, two, one or two good songs that stuck out and maybe the composer's name. And that review is one that probably got the longest music-related paragraph I've ever written in a review. Oh, that's something. Mostly based on that final level experience. So, This does remind me of something that's very amusing to me. It's not silence, but it is music related, so I don't mind bringing it up. Uh, there was a... Uh, there was a... So Super Robot Wars, like, really liked having a uh, character, you know, like, in, in the tradition, like, characters music from their show will play when you know when they're fighting because you know licensed game and all that uh they eventually when they started doing original generation games they felt the need to give everyone their own leitmotif except for like a handful of really nothing characters Mm -hmm. but in the first original generation game there is a character whose leitmotif is bugged and plays too often like it plays in spaces where it's not necessarily supposed to uh, and so they kind of made that a recurrent gag that his music just overrides everyone and like characters eventually start commenting on it. <laughs> Was this the same guy who ended up in Project Cross Zone? I don't believe so, sadly. Uh, this guy, this character is basically just a wholesale lift of, uh, Char as novel from Gundam, but circa Zeta Gundam. Uh. But yeah, like they they just for whatever reason, like there's some sort of bug about his music where it's like I think it's only supposed to play uh like it's he's he's a boss half the time, but eventually you recruit him and that causes I think that causes a flag to be a problem where boss music typically plays over the character music of whoever they're fighting. So there's probably some sort of flag that leaves him as having like the boss music uh, priority, which causes him to override things. It's not supposed to. 
So, like, the final bosses basically don't get to play their music over him, which makes... Which made for jokes in future titles. And I believe at least one game where his music is overwritten entirely because the opponent's robot is actually blasting music in the reality of the game. <laughs> well, that, that's a good example of just leaning into a bug and having fun with it. Yeah, no, they... they... They became fully aware of and very amused by the mistake that they had made. <laughs> yeah, like a uh, n- not as deadly version of the Gandhi nukes thing. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> so, Civilization underflow yeah. is hard. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, the, I think the next question inc- came with this as well. Yeah. So not just a game, but if a movie or a theater piece needs music to guide the audience into a certain state of emotion, wouldn't it mean the action, character dialogues, etc., aren't that touching in the first place? Is music in this case really just trying to make people feel obliged to laugh, cry, etc.? I think he's kind of missing the point here because um, music is a part of the entire thing. Yeah, you can't really analyze these kinds of things separate from the story yeah. because they help guide beats in them. Yeah. I mean, like, it's true that some directors will use the music to cover over issues with everything else. But the opposite is also true. It's possible to just um, underplay a scene. Yeah. (laughs) But um, what I was thinking about that one was Jaws. Mm. The, uh, just the iconic dun 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 bit. And how, uh, I I remember seeing an interview on this and they were describing how, um, they used it as a cue that the audience may not have even realized at the time that um, whenever the music was playing, the shark was going to attack, obviously enough. But there was a scene where somebody was like faking a shark attack and the music wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. And so that helped um, guide the audience's reaction when it was revealed to be a fake. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, just for kicks, the last major shark attack in the game in the movie happened without the music. Yeah, because you're so Pavlovianly trained to expect it that it can shock you just by its absence. Yes. So, I mean, with a good director and a good um, composer, you can get some incredible things out of the the, um, gestalt of music and video together. To to tie this back into the second half of 14, could like an emotionally manipulative element uh, be emotionally manipulative on its own? Uh, the, like, we, we talk about emotionally manipulative media. It's like, it's common, it's a common criticism of, you know, something that failed to connect with an audience members to describe it as emotionally manipulative media that media is supposed to manipulate your emotions. That's why you consume it. Like, when something is transparently manipulative or unearnedly manipulative is when you, like, brush against it. But I'll cite a quote from uh, the late, great Roger Ebert discussing uh, empathy as it relates to films. Uh, uh, we are all born with a certain package. We are who we are, where we were born, who we uh, were born as, how we were raised. We are kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize, empathize a little bit with other people and find out what makes them tick or what they care about. 
For me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. If it's a great movie, it lets you understand a little bit more about what it's like to be a different gender, race, age, economic class, nationality, profession, hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. And to, and to me, uh, that to me is the most noble thing that good movies can do. And it's a reason to encourage them and to support them and to go to them. It's one of those things like if you if you are like partaking in fiction, you're doing it because you want it to make you feel a certain way. And if you feel like it was too transparently manipulative, that is a symptom of it failing somewhere else because it was supposed to make you feel something and you wanted it to do that or you wouldn't have engaged with it in the first place. Yeah. But that's, you know, it becomes a more complex question of like, well, why didn't it? Well, it's like, well, it, piled like one the common one would be like you're supposed to feel empathetic for the main character so a comically amount a comical amount of terrible things happen to them over and over and it becomes a point where it's like i get it it sucks yeah it's somebody overdoing it yeah like that kind of thing is like it was always emotionally manipulative but oh. the problem was that it pushed too far and you stopped believing in it <laughs> okay this is reminding me of a different movie um, from, from the 60s or 70s, it was like some sort of either a police drama or I think it was a detective drama, kind of hard-boiled. Yeah. And um, at after the movie was, um, after the editing was finished, they were showing it to um, test audiences, and the test audiences hated the main character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hated him. So they sent it back to the director. It was like, we got to fix this somehow. And the director thought about it, and he added one scene or what, like, 10 seconds to the start of one scene mm. where it showed the guy um, it's like he was making coffee in the morning but he didn't have any fresh coffee filter so he reused one and <laughs> he took a drink of the resultant mess and he just grimaced and he spat it out and he poured out the cup mm. and that was it just that extra human element <laughs> exactly it was just something right there at the beginning that everybody could sympathize with somehow and it humanized him, and he didn't have to change a thing for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as people empathized with the main character, everything else worked. Mm-hmm. And you'll see this in other aspects as well. Uh, like much greater changes end up being made. Uh, I think one of the more famous ones is uh, the claim that. Uh, the first Rambo film, First Blood, did not have that ending, did not have the same ending as it did originally, because in the original draft, Rambo dies. Mm. And uh, test audiences hated that ending, despised yeah, it. Yeah, he committed suicide. Yeah. yeah, which I believe was in keeping with the book it's based on. Yeah. But uh, the test, o- test audiences were not just, like, upset at that ending, they were angry at it. And so they yeah. <laughs> ended up changing that. And that's is, one of those things where it's like, oh, you maybe manipulated their emotions too hard. Yeah. They, they got I mean, Ro- too into Rocky's it. A, or not Rocky, um, Rambo's a fun one where if you if you consider the fact that if you uh, switch the protagonist and the antagonist for importance in the story, mm-hmm. it's suddenly a horror film. Yeah. He's basically yeah. the predator. Um, yeah. So um, it's yeah, it's basically a horror film where we are led to sympathize with the monster mm-hmm. because he is not actually a monster. Um, but yeah, uh, but he could have been if you had just edited things a little differently. 
Yeah, that's that's one of those things. Like, I mean, when you when you get into that, you also end up dealing with like the fact that the person the audience sees the most, they are going to either like the most or hate the most, depending um, upon how well you set it up. Did you ever see the movie? I think it was called Thank You for Smoking. Yeah, yeah, I saw bits of that. I did not watch the whole thing, but yeah, I know you should sometime. I, I have never enjoyed such a despicable human being in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one's... Yeah, I remember that one. That one. Yeah. I mean, he, he's such a likable guy, and he's such an awful person. Yeah, like, very charming, but also everything that he stands for and is attempting is monstrous. Uh, yeah. Which makes it such an interesting film to watch. Yeah. You're actually rooting for him at the end, even as he is systematically ruining several other people's lives in order to salvage his own. Yep. But, I mean, that's uh, that's one of the other tricks that a good piece of media can do. It can manipulate you into sympathizing with someone you uh, shouldn't and leaving you to question a bit more about why that happened. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, we're off the topic again. Yeah, but, you know. I think that it's worth noting, like, uh, to to close the circle a bit, like, these these bits of, you know, things meant to sweeten the emotions, like, someone, you know, almost everything you've ever played or watched, someone made that up, and they had an objective when they did it, so. Mm-hmm. Heck, even things that are nonfiction, like, someone cut together that documentary, and they had an objective when they did it. <laughs> yep. Anything by Michael Moore. Anything by Michael Moore. How anything by, like, fucking anyone. Like, even, like, you look at, uh, like, to look at a uh, famous example, the documentary uh, Grizzly Man by, what's his name? Werner Herzog. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, about, you know, a guy who spent, you know, X number of years living with bears and then got eaten by one uh, mm. was absolutely create like you know you you try like you might not even set out with the with the conscious objective to say something but you're gonna say something regardless and it's probably going to reflect something about you but like grizzly man ends up being about like the debate over whether the man who was eaten essentially got what was inevitably going to happen or if it's a tragedy and like that you know that is a theme reinforced by the clips the clips that the director chooses to include mm-hmm. yeah it's it's one of those things like certainly music can be used and is sometimes used as a crutch for scenes that aren't working and like sound editing choices can be involved in that as well but I wouldn't say that it's a case of uh, you're being tricked any more than any other piece of fiction. The writer tricked you, tried to trick you first. The musician's helping. <laughs> Moving on, I suppose. 16 is one that we might actually have difficulty finding examples of. Yeah. Uh, this is because, yeah. Is there any game that deals with secret conspiracies that never actually happen? Because most games enjoy their conspiracies far too much to not ever have them happen. It's also one of those situations where it's like, it's conservation of detail. It's like if you're just straight up Chekhov's gun, like if you bring up a conspiracy and it turns out to be nothing, it can't, bre- it can't span the breadth of an entire game. Yeah. 
Um, there has to be like at least an attempt to do it. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, it's something that has been a lie the entire time. Oh, some sort of reverse conspiracy. Uh, Xenogears did a lot of stuff where everything you know was actually wrong. Yeah, it happened several times. But again, yeah. Oh, okay, it never mind. Really rise rise to the level of conspiracy per se. Either. I, I've got one. I got got one. Oh god. Uh, Wild Arms Two. Oh yeah. The, the villain group in what for the first half of Wild Arms Two, this terrorist organization. Odessa. Does not actually or technically does not quite exist. Like it, it does things, it has funding, but its stated stated objectives are not the objectives of its funders. Oh, no, no. It, its objectives are exactly the objectives of its primary funder, who is also the guy funding your organization. Yeah, it's one of those situations where, like, I suppose it's more... Its stated objectives are a means, not an end. Yeah. No, I mean, when you think about it one way, it's like one way or another the planet is going to be unified enough to put to go against the oncoming threat. Yeah, it's just, yeah, the oncoming threat is the end that it means to do, do something about. Taking yeah. over the world is Odessa's, like, stated objective, but it's not really what its funder wants yeah. per se, so much as it's a step involved. <laughs> yeah. And not everyone in Odessa realized that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the closest I can think of, is, like, it was, that was the the secret conspiracy that was not really, the, yeah, it was yeah. a fake out. Fireminer, of course, brings up uh, Persona 2, where the, the concept is that these weren't real until people started believing them, at which point they became real. Which is probably the best example I could think of. Yeah, that one's also fun because, because of the uh, concept at play here. That means that multiple mutually exclusive conspiracies are all real, and that becomes a problem in and of itself. Well, I mean, that's that's one of the essences of conspiracy theories. It's very hermeneutic. Everything is possibly involved. I mean, if you if you tried to make an RPG out of like Foucault's Pendulum, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was actually. Did you ever read Foucault's Pendulum? No, I'm just familiar with that. It, it's um, it's basically one of the books that almost certainly inspired the Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. To the point where it is quite possibly one of the books that the Da Vinci Code ripped off completely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in in the story, um, whereas in the Da Vinci Code, there was a real conspiracy and there was a real, um, like, secret history of the church and things. In Foucault's Pendulum, there are three guys who work for a vanity press who have been laughing at the various conspiracy theories that they've been – that people have been paying them to self-publish for so many years – and they set up a computer algorithm to just sort through the weirdest parts and plug it together mm. and to create their own like meta conspiracy theory just for kicks. And then they start kind of spreading it around to see what happens. And what happens is that people take it seriously. Seriously enough that they start hunting for these guys to try and find out the truth. Yeah. And they do not take it was all a joke for an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yes, Fireminer, I would rec- hardly recommend Foucault's Pendulum because this is very much the kind of thing that you're asking about, just not with a video game. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, it's hard to make that work in a video game setting. Yeah. Uh-uh. 
I mean, you might be able to do it with a visual novel, but not a J, not an RPG. Yeah, there's too much like there needs to be something driving action, and players of a game with action in it are one going one. You're going to have difficulty uh, creating a scenario that involves your characters going through that much action with no driving motivation ending up with their driving motivation ending up being fake uh but also just like it's it's just it's it's hard to structure a plot in such a way that that isn't the entire point that doesn't just end in frustrated expectation yeah yeah it's an interesting idea but it's uh it's hard to make work in video games yeah more work than most video game designers could really put in. Yeah, I can only think. I can think of other things that are a car crash conspiracy theories. Like that's the Deus Ex franchise's plot as well. But kind of the opposite of what you're asking for. Is Will still alive? Yes. <laughs> okay. Very okay. Tired. I wonder. <laughs> yeah, we can probably hit one more question and then maybe uh, peace out so that Wheels can sleep. <laughs> So we'll uh, maybe hit 17 or 18, whichever you prefer. Okay, let's see here. What have we got? 17, 18. Oh, I'm sure we can get wheels to talk on this one. Yeah. Would you recommend Saga for anyone who has just dipped their toes into JRPG? That is a different 17 or 18 than I'm seeing. Huh? <laughs> that is a different 17 or 18 than I'm seeing. Are you looking at a higher one? 17. 17, I'm looking at. Uh, 17, I'm looking at. uh, uh, Asked which action RPG uh, would play the same if you remove the RPG elements. Uh That is not what I'm saying here. Uh I'm saying, would you recommend Saga for anyone who has just dipped their toes? Hmm. Okay, that's concerning. Uh, I'm going to pass the streams. Um. I mean, unless you're looking at the long ass list number one. No. Let's see. Not that. Let's see. Minor technical difficulties. Because uh, the, the other ones have lined up. Uh, the anime man said. Well, I don't have Twitch chat, so. Uh, he was yeah. saying something about Grandia 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, Did that involve it or something? I've never what played that one. About? That game involves... Like, there, there's a big cover-up in that game involving, like, the beliefs of the church. That, because, the, like, the issue ends up being that, like, a sufficient... Like, covering up information is a conspiracy in and of itself. So, I'm trying to think... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what might be being referenced here. I'll look for recent saga questions. We'll see what uh, what happens there. <laughs> Not that one. Okay. I mean, I sent you the... I mean, I'm the one who put the file together and sent it to you, right? Oh, I never got the file. I've been oh. looking at the Discord itself. Uh, okay. In the file. Uh, there's been edits to the Discord uh, things since like December 31st, so that might okay. have affected the numbering. 
Possibly. Let's see. Yeah, because now I'm seeing it different up here. Okay. Uh, that explains it, I guess. Okay, that's weird. Okay, take two here. Um, 17, 18. Okay, yes, number 17 is different. And only number 17 is different. Huh. Oh, okay. Weird. Okay, which action RPG would play the same if you remove the RPG components? I'm not sure if there's any that would play the same, but there are ones that would play way less differently. Yeah. Dark Souls. Dark Souls would play less differently. We kind of saw what that would look like with Sekiro. Uh, you can absolutely make one of the... Uh, some of the Kingdom Hearts games work with vastly diminished or entirely removed Kingdom uh, with uh, RPG elements. Uh, some of the mana games. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are those are kind of the the big ones. Uh, oh, some of the early Yakuza games would not change substantially. No. A lot of those were uh, like just just sort of leveling up a bit, but not a lot of actual reward for doing so. Yeah. Um, Legend of Zelda 2. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I saw that coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess uh, my, my biggest pick would probably be like Yakuza 1 or uh, maybe the original. Ver like, these are always, of course, the original versions. The RPG elements got stronger as the series went on until it decided it was just an RPG now. But... <laughs> Uh, the original version of Yakuza 1 would probably be high on my list because it's like the biggest RPG elements that it has are it's like uh, money and uh, leveling system. And you could probably strip out the leveling system and it wouldn't mean much. And certainly there are action games without leveling systems, but with shop systems that would pick up the slack. Yeah. Now it wouldn't yeah, be a I'll, terribly good action game. I'll go with um, Final Fantasy Adventure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean that was I pretty close like to that better that anyway. <laughs> you got any to any to bring up wheels? Some of the tails. Ones with the stronger combat might yeah. be able to make it work. Uh, like if we if we count these as action RPGs, uh, any given Muso game, many of them would not change terribly yes. much. Yeah, they got levels, but that's that's to build in a sense of progression more than it's a necessity of the design. So anything where you could replace the levels with items to pick up? Uh, if you if you do that, like yeah, you get a lot of them. Then it's just like oh, you get you get uh, upgrades at discrete points that are doled out in the story. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why like the most recent Tomb Raider games are not technically RPGs. Yeah, yeah. Those games are good, though. I should play those again. Uh, the East games. Yeah, yeah. You could probably make some of them work, especially maybe the Oath and Felghana style ones. Yeah, the E action. Yeah, and you just get, like, your different weapons, or, like, sort of like how... Like, if you took, for example, Ark of Nepishtim and just took out the leveling system and just made it the same, like, you just have the three elemental swords and that kind of upgrade in the game, like, that... that works perfectly fine without the RPG. Yeah. Oh, anime. Uh, Tam actually clarified the Grandia 2 thing. 
Grandia II, the church was actually involved with the collecting of the pieces of the dark god to gain power, and has the actual good god, uh, and the actual good god was dead from the start. And like, that is that is definitely a conspiracy. Uh, anything to cover up information still involves conspiracy. So, mm. Let's see. Okay, then Dragon Quest Seven. <laughs> okay, but okay, the, going back to Xenogears, hiding the fact that God is in fact a. Uh, Lavos. Like, yeah, pretty much. I maintain the French theory that Xenogears uh, started its life as a Chrono Trigger sequel. It makes as much sense as anything with that game. They've. Uh, I. I, ha- I will present my evidence before we finish. One. Uh, developer interviews at the time indicated that the game had started its life as a sequel to something else. Two. Luca is in the opening area. Three. <laughs> It is written by the guy who went on to write Chrono Cross immediately afterwards. Hmm. Four, it shares a number of plot elements with that with Chrono Cross. Five, uh, <laughs> Deus in Xenogears is basically Lavos. And uh, shares many of the elements that uh, Chrono Cross would ascribe to Lavos. Uh, there's also just a lot of things that are in the game that would make sense if we assumed that at some stage they represented different time periods. Yeah. True. Yeah. The, the areas in the game were really disparate at times. Yeah. There's a lot of little things that I think, like, you know, obviously it went through a lot of changes when it became Xenogears, but I think that there's a reasonable amount of evidence to indicate that the game, the uh, sequel, the product it was a sequel to at one point in its development was probably Chrono Trigger. It also has kind of a similar sprite style. A lot, uh, lot less SD than was common at the time, much as Chrono Trigger was. But yeah, that's, that's my th- fringe theory. I say I call it fringe because no one has ever actually explicitly come out and said, yes, that is what it was. Uh, I, think they, I think they also... Yeah, they also both have me to do on the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, just another one of those uh, curious things. Who knows what might have happened here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his prior work for Square had been Chrono Trigger, Radical Dreamers, Front Mission Gun Hazard, Tobol Number One, and his work afterwards would be Chrono Cross, <laughs> <laughs> and then of course rolling right into Xenosaga. So yeah, there's something to chew on maybe. <laughs> now I'm just asking questions about this conspiracy to hide Chrono Trigger <laughs> Two in plain sight. But yeah, uh, I think we should probably wrap it up before we'll Okay. Uh, plug time. Okay, yes. So yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited by Michael Yadimizu, a.k.a. me, but easier to Google. Um, it's Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Amazingly few people with that name. Um, uh, let's see. Anything else? Uh, uh, so. I presume you haven't heard anything about... Uh... Any news about when the next physical release will be out? Huh? Oh, sorry. Yeah, the uh, actually it's out. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, the third book is third paperback is available for Ooh, print, okay. on demand, whenever you want, please. Yeah. Okay. And that uh, would bring it up to scratch with I think the like current ebook volumes. Yes, mainly because I have yet I haven't uh, gotten the. Um, the last, uh, the most recent episodes cover finished. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, certainly as up to scratch as it needs to be for the time being, since you wouldn't put less than three of them together, it sounds like. So yeah. Uh-huh. Look forward to that tenth volume, though. Yeah. And uh, also, Tam congratulates you. Yay! Oh, I th- look. I think we had something on the podcast from Fireminer again. Oh. Sure. Let's take a look before we go. Quick look so that it doesn't get lost in the many other Fireminer things. Thank you again to Fireminer and Kroll for providing our questions this week. Uh, Fireminer brought up. We've got we've got a bunch of Fireminer questions that will be. <laughs> Brought in next time, Plotty M3 is here as our uh, special Dragon Quest correspondent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So sometime between now and episode 201. Uh, uh, just know, most recently at the very bottom, he yeah. was commenting on the most recent episode that we put up. Yeah. Uh, great episode you guys just posted. Thank you. Uh, just a bit about foul common cynicism and video games are already enough. Uh, after several weeks, you guys mentioned Metal Max again. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, of course. You mentioned Metal Max. It's been a while since there's been non-depressing things to say about Metal Max. Yeah, I gotta fish out. I oh god, I have to restart Metal Max three unless I can find a way to fish out my old Metal Max three save. That sucks. Uh, let's see. But uh, as a closer to follow up, Kajin's observations about the naming of Kuro no Kisaki is really interesting. Country which the game will take place. Calvard has a lot of Chinese culture because of immigrants. Also, it's part of the beginning of the end, just a few years before the prophesized end of the world. Naming word choice plays into this, I guess. Uh, that does lead me to wonder, uh, the Kudo Kanji is, that you mentioned being quite obscure and very old, is it based off of the uh, Chinese one? It is Chinese, and it, okay, that makes is, sense. it is used to refer to a specific ethnic group in China. Oh, interesting. Well, I would assume that they know full well what they're doing with that by virtue of the fact that... Uh, they're absolute geeks about this kind of thing. Well, that, and they also have a very large Chinese audience that uh, yeah. would care about that sort of thing, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the feedback, as always. It's nice to hear that you're enjoying. <laughs> and thank you for providing us with so many questions, as ever. Uh, if you want to join Fireminer in the question jubilee... Uh, you can leave those questions in the comments section of this very episode or any episode in the past, probably like two or three weeks, and we'll check it. Uh, but you, if you want to make it easy on us, you can also uh, put it in the podcast section of the Discord. And we will, we promise, get to it eventually. <laughs> yes, eventually. Yeah. If we don't, Sometimes, just bug us and we'll, we will. Yeah. Feel free to ask something again. Yes. Even if... Even if we already answered it to some degree satisfactorily, we'll just probably go off on a different tangent. Yes. I mean, we repeat we repeat ourselves quite often anyway. We've got, we've at this point, anyone who's been listening for more than like 10 episodes probably has a fairly decent, like, heat map of our personal taste, so. <laughs> Pretty sure yep. we've gone on similar Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah. No, no, absolutely. You're, you're lucky you managed to miss that guy, Jen. Um... <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that's that's your Q and A quest for this week. Uh, see you, Space Cowboys.